All right, Genesis 17 is our text tonight. Genesis 17, continuing on. And the chapters here about Abram. Genesis 17. This will be our sermon text. Let's give our full attention to the reading of God's holy word. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or, brought, or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant... I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time yet next year. And he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So Abram took Ishmael his son, all who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael and all the men of his house 
born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. And our New Testament text is uh, Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 15. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism in which you also were raised with Him through faith and the working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray and ask him to bless it to us. Oh Lord God, we pray that you would Cause the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts to be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Genesis chapter 17, our text here tonight, is, um, is a word to those who wait on the Lord. It's a, it's a word for those who are waiting. As, as, as we left off last week, chapter 16, we pick up this week, chapter 17, it's easy to miss that 13 years have elapsed between those two chapters. Um, uh, we, we, can, we can read straight from one chapter into the next without any time passing at all. Or, or we can go from one week to the next, hear a sermon on one, a sermon on the next, and it's just been a week's time. But, but think for a minute about the space there. And about, you know, the time, the, the waiting, the, 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 the stuff that would have happened in Abram and Sarai's life through those 13 years. What happens? Well, we don't know what happens. And, and that's kind of the point. There's 13 years of just ordinary life. Ishmael grows from an infant to 13 years old. Um, uh, there's 13 years of marriage, 13 years of keeping livestock, moving here and there around the promised land apparently not hearing from the Lord, at least not that we've, uh, we have a record of it at this time. Um, uh, so the 13 years where it's highlighted for us that there's this gap again between the promise that Abram has received and the fulfillment that, that the Lord has promised. Um, were those 13 years wasted? Not at all. Waiting in faith in the Lord is never a waste of time. Uh, so God, God is teaching Abram and Sarai through, those, through that space, through that time, through that waiting process, that holding, that holding period, to wait on Him. 
Wait on His plan. Wait on His timing as well. Over and over, Scripture tells us, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. It's, it's in so many texts. Psalm 27, Psalm 37, Psalm 62, Isaiah 40, uh, Isaiah 64. All, all kinds of passages. We could stack them all up. Um, waiting on the Lord means trusting Him to act when, when you don't see Him acting yet. It's, it's, it's when you keep on doing what He's called you to do, even, even though he, you don't see Him doing yet what He has promised to do. It's trusting and obeying while you wait for Him to do what He has promised to do. It's hard to wait. It's hard to do that. It's hard to, 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 to say, I'm going to continue to faithfully do what God's called me to do even while I wait for God to act. Um, we, we want God to hurry up. One writer puts it like this, we often have to wait long, content, meanwhile, to look patiently forward in hope. The best fruit worth waiting for, often ripening the slowest. It's always a mark of short-sightedness and of weakness to be impatient of results. True growth is often baffled by this. Like little children who plant seeds in their garden and grab them up to see how they grow and so kill them through their impatience. Right? We, 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 we want to we see if it's working, but our impatience will ruin it. Uh, we, we saw this. That's exactly what happened in Genesis 16, isn't it? Um, last last week, so we, we want God to work on our timeline, not His timeline. Um, um, but God's purposes are broader and deeper, longer, higher, bigger than than what we know and and, and what we have. And um, so we are called to wait. But in the meanwhile, while we wait, what does God do? Uh, he comes and He gives promises. We've seen this already. He's given promises over and over. He comes and he, and, he, and he reassures us of those promises. And what we see in Genesis 17 is God coming again to Abram and saying, keep on waiting. You're nearly there. Keep on waiting. And he gives him the promises again. And he gives him a sign to, to strengthen those promises. He, he, he gives Abram all the encouragement that he needs to keep on waiting, uh, to keep his faith in him, even as he waits for that fulfillment to finally come. So I want to unpack this together, uh, three, three headings as we work through the text here of Genesis 17. Number one is, is a greater promise. It's verses uh, 1 through 8, a greater promise. God comes, again, Genesis 17 opens with God coming to Abram. Uh, God initiates. We, we've seen this every time God has drawn near to Abram, haven't we? Uh, God comes. God condescends. God meets him. God comes in his grace. Abram's faith never comes first. God's grace always comes first. God is, God is not responding to amazing faith. And so he comes to Abram. No, he, he comes and he gives grace. And then Abram's, Abram's faithful response is, is the result of that. So God, God comes to Abram. What does he say? What's the first thing he does here with, with Abram as he comes to strengthen his faith? He comes to him and he says, I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. He says, this is my name. Uh, he reminds Abram, this is who I am. This is my identity. This is, this, is who, this is who I am. El Shaddai, God Almighty. What's, what's the point for Abram? Why this name? Why does God give Abram this name at this moment? Um, reminding him of his strength. Well, you say, nothing's impossible for me, Abram. Uh, there, there's no task too hard for God. The, the reason that you haven't had a son through your wife, Sarah, yet is not because it's too hard for me to do. Um, it's no harder for, for God to give a son to someone who's 99 years old 
than it is for God to give a son to anybody else. God can do it. Um, uh, uh, God, God can even do it for a virgin, right? Long, farther down in, in, in the history of Scripture, we come to Luke one thirty-seven, where Mary says, nothing will be impossible with God. So, Abram, remember who you're waiting on. Remember you're waiting on God, God Almighty. You're not waiting on someone who is, is unable to act, unable to keep the promise that they've made. There is no obstacle that can stand in God's way. Brothers and sisters, uh, there, there's a lesson for us right there, isn't there? Who are we waiting on? We're waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on His timing. We're getting impatient. Who are you waiting on? Almighty God. Every promise He's made, He's able to keep. He will keep. Every promise for your holiness. Every promise for, uh, for your perseverance. Every promise for, for that you know, resurrection life ahead of you. Every promise for, for, for your comfort and, and for your joy and for good. He'll, he'll keep every one of them in His way and His time. So God comes to Abram and He lays this foundation. Abram, remember who I am making these promises to you. And then he gives the promises again. This is the fifth time now that he's come to Abram and repeated these promises. And, and the content of the promises is not really changing that much. It's, it's basically staying the same. But as he comes to this fifth time, as he comes to give this promise to Abram, he, he now expands on it. Um, um, he's not just repeating what he said before. The Lord is, is giving something more expansive than anything he's promised yet. Um, he's already promised Abram that he'll have descendants outnumbering the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky, but now he makes it clear that it's not just going to be in one nation, but in many nations. Um, he says it several times. He says, I'll multiply you exceedingly in verse 2. And then verse 4, you shall be the father of many nations. And then again, uh, he says, I'll, I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you over and over. He, he's saying, focus on this. Um, uh, I, I, I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. He, he, he's, he's, he's expanding the promise as big as it can get. Um, he's showing that even though his focus with Abram is, has, has zoomed way in, right? In redemptive history, God's focus on, on Abram comes as small as it can get, right? Pinpointed on one man and his family. But his purpose is huge. It's for the whole world. It's, it's for, for all the nations of the earth to come uh, 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 to be blessed through this one man. Um, God's plan from the very beginning has been expansive and big. Uh, that Abram would be the father of many nations is a promise here that, of course... There's going to be many physical human nations that come from him. Um, uh, Ishmael is going to have many descendants. Isaac's going to have many descendants. But, but the main point here is that there are going to be numerous spiritual descendants of Abram. Uh, Galatians 3.29 picks up on this. Paul, Paul writing, Galatians 3.29 says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. These are Abraham's descendants, right? The, the millions upon millions who've put their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, all, all the elect over all the course of history. Um, are, these are the many sons of, of Father Abraham. Now, Abram can't see any of this yet, right? God's promising, my purposes for you, Abram, are more than you can imagine. 
Your spiritual descendants will fill this whole world. Uh, it's going to people in Rome and Corinth and Spain and and, and 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 Australia and Limington are going to be your spiritual descendants, Abraham. Um, better than better than you can imagine. But Abraham doesn't see it. He's got the promise. He's waiting for the fulfillment. And, and as the Lord gives him this great promise. He then does something else for Abraham. He, he takes this, this great promise and then he sticks it right into Abraham's name. Um, uh, he, 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 he puts it right into his name. He changes his name from Abram, which means the father is exalted, to Abraham, which means father of many. Now, I wonder if there are situations where Abraham didn't want to tell people what his, his new name was, Right? What's your name? Abraham, father of many, and, and he's got no kids. Or, or in a year, he's got, he's got one, one kid. I mean, uh, but, but the Lord's purpose here is to say, you know, I'm going to name you Abraham, father of many. Trust me, uh, trust me, have faith in me that you will one day be the father of many. He, he, God, is, God is taking this promise. He's writing it right into Abraham's life. He's, he, he's framing Abraham's whole identity. Who you are, Abraham, is, is a member of my covenant and I've made these promises to you. His descendants will be these many nations. There will also be kings, verse 6 says. The kings of Israel will trace their lineage to Abraham. We see this. Matthew's Gospel starts by tracing out the descendants from Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ, of course, the great king of kings. Um, all this will come from you, Abraham. And then God finishes out this picture of blessing in verses 7 and 8. Everlasting covenant, I'll be your God. They'll be my people in the Holy Land forever and ever and ever. And so, this little seedling promise that God planted in Genesis 12 for Abraham uh, is, is growing, right? It's flourishing. And here in chapter 17, it's, it's the most expansive version of the promise yet. So God is, God is continuing to call him to wait. But he's continuing to, to expand the promise and, and, and pull back the curtain on, on what he's promising for him there. Now, brothers and sisters, God gives these promises to Abraham. But he doesn't just give him promises and words. He also gives him a sign. And that's our second heading, a gracious sign. Verses 9 through 16. A gracious sign. Uh, God gives Abraham something to hold on to, something tangible here. Um, he gives him his, his faith, something, uh, something that he can see, right? Uh, he gives him a sign and a seal of this covenant that he's making. Uh, it's, it's, it's circumcision. Um, every male in his household, down to the infant eight days old, is to be circumcised. If they, if they, if they get a slave, this, the slave is supposed to be circumcised as well. Um, it, it's it's going to be something that marks them out as belonging to God's covenant family, um, it doesn't exclude women from the covenant, even though it's given specifically to the men. Sarah is also included in the promises here. God, God promises that her, she'll have nations and kings descended from her also, and he changes her name to Sarah. Uh, so she also is in the covenant, but the sign is for the men, uh, specifically, um, this, this sign of circumcision. But uh, I want to think for a few minutes together as we think about this sign. Why circumcision? It's, it's kind of, um, uh, at first glance, a strange thing, isn't it? Why, why circumcision? It's a graphic sign. Um, 
of all that God could have chosen for a sign of being in His covenant. Why this? A few things to consider here. First, circumcision is full of the imagery of judgment. Um, It's a bloody sign. There's a knife. There's blood. Uh, it, it, it's a graphic sign. It's a picture of judgment. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of, uh, uh, of, of something much bigger, something much more severe. It's a reminder to Abraham, you deserve to be cut off. You deserve to be destroyed, cast out, not in God's presence, not in his family, not, not part of his covenant uh, community, but you deserve to be cut off from it. And that, that covenant sign of circumcision was like that. And so it's a reminder that why aren't you cut off like that? Well, because God has forgiven your sins. This covenant He's made with you is not one of condemnation, but of grace. Uh, the, so there's a picture of judgment to remind you that you've been saved from judgment in circumcision. That's one of the things. This sign would have told Abraham of the forgiveness of his sins. And that he was here by the grace of God. That the judgment of God would not fall on him. Another thing that it signifies here is being dead to sin and alive to God. It was a sign that would set him apart. Um, He he was set apart from the world. He was sojourning in. Um, Circumcision signifies that you're dead to the old way of sin and you're alive to this new new way of living uh, in in holiness. Um, that, uh, that, that sin, is, sin has no authority over you because you, you've died to it. This outward circumcision was supposed to correspond with an inner circumcision, a heart circumcision, a heart that's dead to sin now and, and alive to God now, right? So there's this picture in circumcision of something being cut off and, and, and killed, right? That's, that's what, you, Abraham, when you're circumcised, that's what's happening. Um, your relationship to sin has changed. You're dead to it, cut off from it. Um, uh, you've, been, you've been made alive in Christ um, by the circumcision of the heart. Uh, a third aspect of, of circumcision here. Um, it's not an accident that God gives the covenant sign of circumcision um, in the way that he does. The promise is that Abraham will have a son. And, and the sign is given at the very point, in the very place, where that promise will be fulfilled or not. Isn't it? And so God is, God, is, God is saying to Abraham, by giving him the sign of circumcision, I'm not backing off from this promise. Right? God is going to keep this word. Um, he's guaranteeing this. And this symbolism, I think, would not have been lost on Abraham. A fourth, a fourth aspect here of this, uh, and this is uh, in verse 13. Uh, God says to Abraham, My covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. This would mark Abraham forever. Right? An, an ineradicable, uneraceable mark put on Abraham uh, that, that God is his God forever and that it cannot change. If we think about the most common form in our own culture of a covenant ceremony, marriage, right, where two people come together and make a covenant with each other, make promises and obligations to each other. Um, there, there are vows that you take 
But then there's something visible to signify those vows. Right? There's a ring you put on, on, on the other person's finger. And that, that reminds you of the promises you've made. It reminds you of the covenant that you've made together. In a sense, God has already made the vows. Right? Chapter 15, Genesis 15, that covenant initiation ceremony. The pieces of the animals, God walks through them, says, I'm taking on myself all the obligations of this covenant. Um, I'll keep the promises, and I'll make sure that uh, your end of the bargain's upheld as well, this covenant of grace. God's taken those vows, and now he comes, and he gives this, this unerasable sign, and he permanent sign to Abraham, like, like, like a ring right on your finger saying, this is who I am, these are the vows I've made. That's an ever-present reminder to him that he belongs to the Lord. And so circumcision is, um, in all these ways, a sign that's filled with the grace of God. It's a strange sign to us. Uh, but um, but it's, it's full of the grace of God. It shows judgment has been averted. Forgiveness uh, has, has come. Sins, sins are forgiven. Holiness has been granted. Promises are made. Promises will be kept, guaranteed by God himself. And so it points us, brothers and sisters, and, and this is where I want to uh, make, sure make sure we get this. Um, it points us to Christ. Paul picks up on this. We read it earlier in Colossians 2, that uh, when we put our faith in Christ... He himself is our circumcision. Uh, think of what circumcision signified. Some of the things we just talked about. Judgment, right? Being cut off. Christ is, is cut off for our sakes. Uh, he, is, he is judged so that we're forgiven. Um, he, he is cut off so that we're not cut off. Uh, he, 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 our sins are counted to him so that we can be forgiven of them ourselves. Um, and then, and then also, God doesn't. Uh, God, God also uh, makes that decisive break with sin for us in Christ. That, that when we come to faith in Christ, we die to sin that that's cut off and, and 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 destroyed, and now we're alive to righteousness in Jesus Christ. But does God give us a sign? Uh, we're saying here that Christ is the fulfillment of this Old Testament sign of circumcision. Does God give us? A sign, something to see, a, a wedding ring, something to hold on to, visualize those promises he's made. Well, of course he does. Um, but it's this, we're in a new covenant now, this new covenant of grace, and um, uh, we've got a new sacrament as well. It's no longer circumcision, it's, it's baptism. This, this sign that uh, signifies judgment averted and sins forgiven, cleansing, right? Uh, union with Christ, marked out as belonging to him forever. God's name put on us. Uh, just, just like in circumcision. But now through baptism, we are uh, brought into this covenant with Jesus Christ. And uh, that covenant will last forever. What is the point of this? Um, well, remember what the point is for Abraham. God's giving him this sign because Abraham's waiting and waiting and he's waiting for these promises to be fulfilled uh, God is giving him something to strengthen his faith, something to hold on to, uh, something tangible. And, and baptism is the same, the same way. Um, we're baptized into Christ. Uh, uh, it's a spiritual reality, but God gives us something to see, something, a visible sign of, of, of his grace to us, the sacrament of baptism. So part of the way that we wait well, we trust in the Lord, we wait in his timing, is we remember our baptism. We, we look at the fact that we've been marked out forever for God. His name put on us forever. Um, uh, we've been brought into his family forever. Um, 
It's, it's like a wedding ring, right? We, we say, I'm, 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 I'm baptized. I, God has made these promises to me, and I'm going to depend on them and rest on them. Um, I've been cleansed of my sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've been made new in Christ. Sin has no power over me. And so I'm going to keep on waiting, waiting on the Lord. He's, he's given me the sign of his covenant. He's guaranteed it with a promise and an oath. So I'm going to keep waiting on him, trusting, trusting in him. Is this how Abraham responds? God gives him this sign. Is this how he responds? Well, almost. Almost. Not quite, but almost. Um, we see him as he, as he reacts here to God's covenant sign. We see a little bit of stumbling, but then he finds his feet by the grace of God, and he runs in obedience. So what I want to look at now is our final heading, uh, a growing faith, verses 17 through 27. Abraham hears this, and his first reaction is to fall on his face before the Lord and worship. Um, that's good, right? Worshiping God, always good. Uh, he, he bows before the Lord. He's, he's honoring the Lord. He's humbled before the Lord. Uh, he is in the presence of God himself, and he is on his face worshiping. But then, as he lies there, he's thinking this over, and he starts to laugh. He starts, he starts to laugh. How ridiculous this whole situation looks, right? A 99-year-old guy and his 90-year-old wife are going to have a son? Right? And he, he laughs. And, and um, so it seems like his, yes, he, he is trusting, but he's also, I think, I think there's some, some mixture of doubt in, with this, right? Maybe his laughter is the disbelief of joy, but uh, to me it seems more like he's saying, there's just no way this can be true. There's, there's no way that this can, uh, be, be, uh, can really actually happen. And he's been waiting on this so long. And this leads him to say to the Lord, uh, well, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't Ishmael, can't we just go with Ishmael? Like, we, we've already got him. He's 13 years old. I've come to love him as my own son. He is, you know, but by, uh, not by my wife, but by her servant. Um, say, Lord, can't, can't we just go that way? We do this too with God, don't we? Um, Lord, um, uh, could, couldn't we do it my way? Wouldn't it be easier? Uh, I've got this obvious solution. Uh, uh, I've, got, I've got a timetable that I think will work better. Uh, I've got, uh, I've got um, my, my wishes and my desires. I think everything would really shake out nicely if we just did it this way, Lord. Um, but God's wisdom is perfect. He said no to Abram. He corrects him gently, but he corrects him as he does us. He says, yes, I'll bless Ishmael. Uh, I'll, I'll pour out much blessing on him. I'll make him a great nation. Twelve princes come from him. But it's through Sarah that this blessing, the son of promise, will be born. His plan is harder. More, more waiting involved. Um, uh, but it's going to be better. It's going to be the Lord's way. And, and the Lord's way is always right. And then the Lord gives him one last encouragement. Best encouragement of all, I think, for Abraham in this chapter. Um, he says, Abram, it's just one more year. Abram's been waiting now, he said, 13 years since the previous chapter. Uh, 25 years or so overall since the Lord first called him in Genesis 12 and gave him the promise of a child. And I imagine this promise was, was precious to Abraham. Just one more year. Um, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to wait when you don't know how long you're going to be waiting for. Uh, but, but now at last, Abraham can be encouraged by this promise that his waiting is not indefinite. God has an end date. 
for his waiting. God is so gentle with Abram here. He's patient with him. He, he, he doesn't, uh, he's not harsh with him. He's not impatient with him for his mixed faith. He, he, he gently encourages his faith, draws it out, nurtures it, and, and gives him encouragement on top of encouragement, and then says there is going to be an end. There's going to be an end to this waiting. And the Lord is this way with us as well. Uh, we wait by faith because he preserves us by grace. Uh, he grows our faith gently through circumstances, through trials, through his word. He's, he's patient with us. He's gentle with us in his dealings with us. But he won't let us go. He keeps growing, nurturing our, our faith. And, and, and then he does give us an end date, doesn't he, for our waiting? Uh, he, does, he doesn't reveal to us, you know, you know in, a, in, a, in a year, this thing you're waiting for will, will come to pass. But, but we do know that um, he will bring his promises to fulfillment. He does have an end date. We just don't know it for when this season or whatever it might be that, that we're in, the Christian life will, 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 um, will, will, will be over and we'll be at that place of fulfillment and joy. Uh, we know that, um, uh, that God is going to one day bring us to heaven and he knows when that is, when the seasons of waiting of this life are finally over. Um, so, so sometimes the Christian life feels like we're in this breathless race with no finish line, but no, there is a finish line. The Lord knows what it is. And he says, wait, there is an end to the waiting. We see um, God's been tending Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith, and now it bears fruit at the end of Genesis 17. No more disbelieving laughter. Uh, that, that mixed faith is gone. Look at what Abraham does. He obeys God, takes the covenant sign right away, circumcises every male. He doesn't drag his feet. It's obedience that's immediate. Um, we're told twice, verse 23 and then verse 26, that he did it the very same day. He's been refreshed by God's grace, refreshed by these promises. And now he obeys the very same day. Now, brothers and sisters, um, what about us? Are we trusting like Abraham and obeying the very same day uh, like Abraham? Uh, when you're challenged and corrected by the word of God, do you obey the very same day as Abraham does? We might be tempted to say, well, God has not come to me like he did to Abraham. He didn't come and, and give me a specific promise just for me, uh, spoken audibly or, or through some, some vision. Um, so the waiting is harder for us. But that's not true, is it? We have so much more than Abraham had. We said God has come to Abraham five times with these promises, and each time he's expanded them, and now they're so expansive. But you have a Bible full of promises, thousands of promises, and we've seen so much of it already fulfilled. We enjoy so much of it already fulfilled in Christ. We have, we have so much in Christ, and, and we have this, this awesome guarantee in having already received Christ that of course God's going to finish what he started. So much more that we can see and rest our faith on. Christ has already come. He's already finished his work. And now we're just waiting for him to return and to consummate what he has begun. We have received all this, and so we should have every reason to wait on the Lord with patience. This God Almighty who has sworn to us in the blood of Christ that he will bring us through the season of waiting to the fulfillment of his purposes for us. So wait on him. 
Let me close with the words of Psalm 62, 5 and 6. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to wait on You. Give us faith in Your promises. Help us to hold fast to the promises You've given. We pray that You would bless us richly in Christ as we wait. And Lord, we pray that You would come and fulfill every word You've spoken. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.